Denver 8 TV, your city, your source. Recorder and welcome. Um, this is our quarterly forum, and um, I think I, what I want to first do is inter make sure everyone is aware that this will be the last, or we're suspending the quarterly forum in this format. We are not suspending the quarterly forum altogether. Um, however, we're going to change the format so that it is more conducive to community participation. And um, we will don't have all the details right now, and we'll announce those definitely prior to the July meeting. So um, we will be having the meetings, but not here in this building. And they will be still televised also. A couple of announcements I want to make before we get into the meat of the program. First of all, um, the 2011 annual report for the Clerk and Recorder is out. Um, it gives you an overview and some highlights of what happened in 2011. Um, unfortunately, I can't take claim to all of the accomplishments that were in here, but um, some of them have uh, happened during my administration since I've only been in office since July of 2011. And as before in the other meetings, at the end of the meeting, we scroll through a lot of the statistics that have historically been read here. And we've started to track a couple of different statistics, and I want to highlight those, plus we've had some significant changes that I think are worth mentioning. Um, number one, um, the revenues. Um, I don't think we historically we've kind of touted how much revenue that we um, bring in, but um, in 2000, um, the first quarter to, of 2010 to this quarter of 2012, we've seen a 25 percent, excuse me, 35 percent increase in revenues that we have brought in. Um, to the clerk and recorder's office. And those fees are predominantly recording fees, and some of them are public trustee fees. Um, so we just wanted to make note of that, and we're anticipating that in 2012, we'll bring in pretty close to $1.4 million um, to the general funds uh, for the city and county of Denver. Um, and also, and there's a couple of reasons that we've seen the increase for this. And number one, um, we've seen a significant increase in the recordings. Um, people pay a fee to have documents recorded in the clerk and recorder's office, and we've seen quite a bit of an increase. And also, too, there was an increase in fees established by the state um, back in um, 2009, which really didn't kick in until 2010 and 2011. So um, we've seen that has also helped that increase in fees. Um, another interesting positive trend um, is the number of or I should say a positive, it's kind of a negative trend, but it's positive in that we've seen um, less foreclosures filed. Um, so from 2010, to, again, first quarter, 2010 to 2012, we've seen about a 40% decrease in the number of foreclosures filed, so um, just in that quarter. And that seems like that's been a trend um, in the last two quarters that we've had. Um, 
And also, too, um, one of the statistics that we're keeping track of, and I don't have any comparative data right now, is the number of customers that we reserve in the clerk and recorder's office. And I think it's kind of interesting that in the first quarter of 2012, we almost served 3,000 customers, and that is in three different modes, either um, by telephone, by walk-ins, and also by um, email um, through our generic email sites. And um, on those, over half of those um, come in by the telephone. So we do have a very busy um, office over there on the telephone. So that kind of gives you an overview of kind of what has been happening in the clerk and recorder's side of the office for the first quarter of 2012. And now I'm going to turn it over to Amber. Hello. Uh, my name is Amber McReynolds. I'm the Director of Elections for Denver. A couple of updates on the planning for the 2012 primary election and as well as the general election. Uh, a couple of upcoming important dates for the public to note. Uh, the last day to register to vote or change address or party affiliation, um, excuse me, last day to register to vote or change party affiliation is May 29th. Um, ballots, this, this primary election is June 26th and it will be conducted as a primary, as a, as a mail ballot election, uh, which we reported in the last quarterly hearing. And ballots will be mailed out to active and inactive fail to vote voters who are affiliated with a party participating in the election. So right now, um, we believe, and ballot certification is on Friday, but we believe that that will include the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, as well as the American Constitution Party. Uh, and ballots will be mailed out the week of June 4th through the 8th. Uh, we will have our location is obviously open all the time, and um, we'll be, we can begin receiving ballots or doing replacements on June 11th. Um, and then we have 12 additional service centers that will open on June 18th and be open from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Um, every day except Sunday. Um, and we have a list of those on our website as well as a map. Um, and then the ballot packets themselves will also list out all those locations. But we basically have one in every council district along with a couple extras to fill geographic um, holes within the city. Uh, the primary election itself is June 26, so ballots do have to be back into us by that date, and voters can return them by mail, uh, drop them off at one of our service centers, and, and all of our service centers, with the exception of uh, one of our campus locations at Tivoli, at Auraria, will have drive-up ballot drop-off available, um, which, is a, which is a new service this year. Um, we also, to note for the primary, uh, it's important for voters to get their information updated if they've moved or changed an address or haven't registered to vote yet. And we recently sent out a mailing to all households in Denver uh, that basically was an FAQ-style mailing uh, on registration, how to register to vote, where folks could register to vote, um, and what other services are available, along with important dates uh, for the election. So a lot of information on our website, and if uh, voters don't have access to uh, the website or a computer, voters can always call 311 and get general information about 
any of the election-related information. Um, so the primary being conducted by mail means that all voters will be mailed out a ballot that are eligible or uh, party-affiliated for the election. The general election uh, is required to be a hybrid, so it, there's three options for voters to vote in that election, uh, by mail, early, or on election day. And if voters want to vote by mail, it's important for them to start looking into whether or not they actually are on the permanent mail-in uh, ballot list. And if not, they can use the mailer that we recently sent out or can go online and um, request that a ballot be sent to them if they'd like to get that in the general. Uh, so that's the update for tonight. Thanks. Thank you. Um, communications. Well, I am going to uh, defer to the two other folks who are here, and I think that I'll just start with Exceso, who is, that is our Spanish language um, advisory board, voter election advisory board, and uh, Jamie Torres is the current chair of that uh, board. So, Jamie? Thank you, Nancy. Um, just a quick update for Acceso. We're going to be really putting our sights on the general election and making sure we're doing um, out, good outreach prior to that. Um, there might be some uh, summer opportunities for Acceso to do some outreach uh, for the Spanish-speaking uh, voter population, uh, including partnering with the Denver Latino Commission um, on uh, on up some a couple potential opportunities, um, one of which might be the Puerto Rican Festival, um, which take pla takes place in June. Um, we will be looking at uh, more engagement opportunities, um, both through some of our contacts at uh, DPS and uh, some of the churches around town. Um, uh, but recently, with some of the new uh, board members on XSO, we'll be looking at some uh, radio interviews uh, and con conducting those in Spanish for um, for some of that uh, uh, listening population. So. Um, both of those uh, are kind of forthcoming um, activities, and we're looking forward to that. Thank Great. you. And um, I think we ought to put in a plug for um, the Accesso uh, Facebook, um, like Accesso on Facebook, A-C-C-E-S-O. Definitely. Like Denver Elections on Facebook. Follow Denver Elections exactly. on Twitter. Exactly. And we just welcomed uh, four new Accesso board members um, in the last uh, couple months. That, oh, that's true. Um, would just like to give a, um, a shout out to, and that is uh, uh, Melissa Mares, uh, Talia Bond, uh, Terry Lopez, and uh, I'm blanking on the fourth one. Oh, well, I didn't have it written down. I so. didn't either. I thought of it at the last minute, but uh, four new board members that we're really excited to have on board. So uh, thanks. Great. And you want to talk about a legislative update? Yep. Did you want to talk about the, the, the major bills that we're following, or do you want to just have um, Alton go through the whole list? Well, there's two. Yeah, let me go just kind of generically in terms of the two bills that uh, the city and county of Denver have been um, very active um, in during this legislative session. And the first one had to do with the number was Senate Bill 109, and that had to do with the inactive fail to vote issue. Um, if everyone remembers, there was an issue back um, last year in the November election in the event that should the city and county of Denver or anybody in the state of Colorado, for that matter, send ballots to the inactive fail to vote. And um, the Secretary of State at that point um, filed an injunction for us to stop, and um, we prevailed. We were able to send that out. So being 
proactive, we try to work with the state legislature and get a bill to change that so that the inactive fail-to-vote category of registered voters was no longer in existence. Well, the bill died. So um, what has happened is that there has been some political maneuvering and there are components of that bill being tacked on to another bill um, and that will let Alton kind of go over what that bill is, but there are just uh, one component. And then, again, it is the inactive fail to vote in that category is being um, attacked onto another bill. And the other bill that we were very um, active in is House Bill 1143, what dealt with the reimbursement rate that the state um, did for um, counties to conduct an election. Currently, um, the state does not pay their fair share, so we are advocating for the state to increase the rate by 10 cents. Well, we asked for 20 and we got 10, but um, 10 cents per um, registered voter. So um, that one right now, it's moving along very well. It just got out of the House, and so um, it will be going over to the Senate for their consideration at this time. So we're um, very hopeful for that one at this time. All right, and we were very active, the city and county of Denver, this past legislative session, which as of the time that you're viewing this has about another two weeks left in it. And so, you know, kudos both to our clerk and our director of elections for really shepherding a lot of this through along with our lobbyist, Brandon Barry McKenna. As the clerk mentioned, uh, House Bill 1143 did pass the uh, full House today, and it now moves to the Senate. And in the interest of time, I'm just going to go over some of the legislation that either has a good chance of being law or ones that have already been signed in. So some of the other ones that have been signed in are Senate Bill 62. That's the voting by military personnel. It sort of is a uh, same kind of pilot project that we did here locally to provide some online alternatives, et cetera, to be able to really get to military members who were in forward service situations. Another bill signed by the governor is uh, House Bill 1089 that was sponsored by Representative Court. That was one of her plain language bills. It expands the language that you see above a ballot question to make sure that people know that yes means for, no means against, and actually spells that part out. A couple other bills that may get moving here depending on how everything plays out over these next couple weeks are Senate Bill 155 that has to do with the transparency of voted ballots along the lines of the Colorado Open Records Act. That's hugely controversial and there's still a lot of negotiations and talks going on about that and that is one that's been laid over daily on the calendar. Along with Senate Bill 135, that is a bill that lets the Secretary of State do kind of a composite online posting of election results from the state, and that's one also that's been laid over, as they say, up on the hill. Another couple of bills that are moving are House Bill 1292. That is just sort of an elections cleanup bill. The main component of that that's drawing some interest in the state, it expands <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, allowable ID to include tribal identification. That will now be an accepted voter identification. And then also, as the clerk mentioned, 1267, that is the House bill that actually died and was resurrected. And there is a coalition of voter rights activists and a coalition of legislators who are trying to keep that bill moving. And that is the bill that some of the key components of uh, Senate Bill 109, including the language to uh, do away with the inactive failed to vote designation, and is I'd, attached I'd... to. 
I'm sorry. I, I think we probably ought to just point out that all of these bills that you're talking about are not bills that necessarily we are supporting or not supporting or uh, or ours or anything like that. This is this is just bills that are in the legislature that we are following. Correct. Yeah, these are ones that we're monitoring. What we try to do just as a philosophy, if there is a chance that a piece of legislation will have an effect on the office of the clerk and recorder, we try and keep an eye on it, whether we had anything really to do with it or not. And then also, we also, in the breadth and depth of the clerk and recorder's operation, we also have the public trustee side of the House, and there's been some legislative movement there, too. Senate Bill 30 is another bill that's been signed into law by the uh, governor, and that is essentially a Title 38, which is the part of law that governs the foreclosure and property process. That's been signed into law. It's real long and got a whole bunch of governmentees in it, but the main thing that uh, John Q. Public needs to know about that one is Every once in a while in a foreclosure proceeding, there's what's called overbid funds, which means some of the excess funds go back to the homeowner. Denver was always very proactive about trying to make sure to get people who had overbid funds notified in some form or fashion, putting in some serious sleuth work. But one of the things that they amended this bill to do, now those overbid funds, instead of getting caught up in the county escrow process, they also will end up going up to essentially the Great Colorado Payback Program. And that means that in addition to having the uh, things posted on like our website and everything, it will also appear on the uh, Great State Colorado, uh, State of Colorado Payback, and it also Sorry. in their, um, you know, thing they put in the Denver Post and all that. So that means there will be extra ways for those people who do occasionally have overbid funds coming their way. They'll have a notification. And there's one more bill on the public trustee side, which is Senate Bill 71. It essentially would um, have the lenders, they're called the holders of the evidence of debt, but essentially the lenders would have to start sort of a counseling and loan modification process prior to filing a foreclosure. That's going to be heard on Monday the 30th in Senate Judiciary. Um, chances of passes on that one are 50-50, especially since it's been on the calendar since January and is now just being heard. Great. Thank you, Alton. I failed to mention um, the, the clerk and recorder's office does a um, very special Valentine's, Valentine Day celebration for people that come in to get married. And this year we actually had a judge on site that married um, pretty close to 15 couples right there on site on Valentine's Day. And as a result of that, we received the Westward Award for the best place um, to get married. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to make a little kudos that uh, my staff put a, together, you know, a really bang-up day. So, I mean, we got recognized for that. So, um, other than that, that concludes our presentation. Um, oh, Jamie? One, one quick thing. Liz Correa Leslie is our fourth oh, new Access uh, oh, Award you. member. <laughs> and she, of course, teaches physics at uh, Lincoln High School. So, great. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Well, so like I said, this concludes our um, presentation, and we do have one member in the audience, and do you want to say anything? Thank you. My name is Carol Tone, League of Women Voters. First and foremost, I want to thank you for conducting these forums over the years. 
you and your predecessor, and I want to say that we'll look forward to whatever the new format is going to be. But what I really wanted to mention was the um, mailing that went out to all residents in the past few weeks. I guess it was about two weeks ago. But I thought it was just great, especially during this time where each election appears to be a little bit different from the one before. And people really are confused. And I thought this was very clear. I liked the fact that it was on Spanish on one side and, and English on the other. And it was concise and I thought very helpful. So thank you. Thank you, Carol. Great. So, there isn't anybody else here, so I will con conclude tonight's um, forum. Thank you. TV. Your city, your source. Denver 8 is about your city. Tell us what you think. I enjoy watching your programs because they explain everything thoroughly. Uh, the show really keeps me current with uh, city government. I think the